0: Hi guys, welcome back to Neff Inspiration, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today, I have got Josh Deck with me. Josh and I are absolutely clear in our mind. We both are full of shit Um, and in all the right way, because we today will deep dive into a very into a subject that is very, uh, very close to my heart. I'm very passionate about it. And that's our gut health. It's about those trillions of bacteria that are living within us and that are making us so unique, that are helping us to be the the advanced human beings that we can be if we treat the bacteria right, or that can destroy us and kill us in the process if we don't. So without further ado, Josh, welcome to my show.
1: Stefan, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to get into this one with you. Exactly. And if you think about it, wow, what two nerds, you
0: know? <laughs> yeah. I'm <laughs> excited. <laughs> bacteria.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you, Stefan, if I go a single day without talking about poop, it's a weird day. Yeah. It's just, I talk about it. It gets weird when people send me pictures of their stools in the toilet. I'm like, that's not what I asked for. Descriptions are perfect. That makes for a weirder day. <laughs> oh, priceless. Well, <laughs>
0: ultimately, though, this is such. a a weird thing in our society we do not talk about feces yet as as a doctor for me that is such a uh, an important bit even long before I had any clue about gut bacteria um, there's this kind of um, neglect that we do certainly in the English-speaking world. Um, to give you an example, in in Germany, if you go uh, sit down on the toilet, you, our toilets are back to front. Um, so the hole where um, everything goes down is to the very front, and you have got basically like a uh, like a seat or like, like a like a like an area where your feces will end, land on, and you can actually see it. It doesn't get deep diving straight away, but you actually see if there's any mucus there, if there's anything that wriggles that shouldn't be there, if there's blood there, um, those kind of things. So I think it, the, the German system is a bit more designed to be actually open and honest and actually pick up that there's maybe something wrong in our gut. After all, colon cancer is one of the, the biggest threats to to our lives in the developed world um so here we are so that we are talking very open and honest about thesis and about our stool is actually something that really should happen far more so guys if, when you're listening in you're in for a ride because there's no holds barred um we gonna talk about smelly things that are actually really so beautiful when you actually Put your head into the right frame of mind and then when you follow us through it in today's talk
1: that's what i try to tell my wife stefan after i come home from the gym i'm smelly but i'm beautiful how is that going for you poorly I'm on the couch right now as we speak (laughs) okay I'm sure there's more to that
0: story though (laughs) but okay this is so far this is a children friendly Uh, um... (laughs) exactly Josh When did you start uh, getting into the gut microbiome? Um, Because that's what we're talking about, guys. Gut microbiome is the term for all those many bacteria that are living within us.
1: Yeah, interestingly enough, it was a bit of a happy accident. So my first career, way back in my early, late teens, actually, I started as a paramedic into my early 20s. And I realized very quickly, it was really sick care. It wasn't health care. Mm-hmm. you know, we're picking up the same people over and over for the same conditions. I take them to the hospital, they either get more of the same medication or new medication, they get sent back home. And I really became a glorified taxi for the For the ill and the elderly is really what it was and so right i mean i I know you know this and so it really wasn't what i wanted to do and by a bunch of happy accidents once again i ended up getting into personal training so i moved across the country uh, to another province got another job And when I started, still in my early 20s, in my career, this woman named Lynn came to see me. She was 57 years old. She had 17 pills and insulin for breakfast, nine pills and insulin for bed. I'm sure you've seen this with your patients many times over the years. She had high blood pressure, borderline CHF, slept with a CPAP machine. Um, She was on the disability list at work. Just thing after thing after thing, she was on the decline. Well, we started working on food, nutrition, exercise. By the time Lynn turned 59, I said, Lynn, how much do you trust me? She says, well, yeah, of course. Like unquestionably. I said, okay, sign this paper. And she did. I said, great. I'll see you in three months. We're going to a powerlifting competition. You got to buy a singlet, got to buy a belt, blah, blah, blah. And she went, she entered her first powerlifting competition, age 59. And Stefan, she broke a world record in the raw division. <laughs> Does not get better than that? No. And she kept breaking records until 61, 62. Most of them were hers. And it just got better and better and better until, you know, she retired. And I realized then that there's so much more potential to the body to heal itself than just managing sick care and medications and dosing and managing symptoms. And so I started seeing people who were getting mm. sicker, had skin issues, anxiety, depression, and different mm. things it always came back to the gut. Mm. And so I was fascinated by this. I decided to go back to school. I became a holistic nutritionist. I ended up specializing in gut health. And again, as I got in there, more and more to my career, as the years went on, I saw more and more severe cases of gut issues from just mild IBS to severe, like crippling IBS, all the way until my first uh, ulcerative colitis client came to see me. And there were, you know, 15, 16 bowel movements a day, blood, mucus, crippling pain. And they were reversed 90 days, perfectly healthy. Um, Clinical histological remission, their CT enterography, their colonoscopies were clear. And I thought, well, this is really cool. So I dove into it Mm. further. And of course, more complex cases of IBD, like Lyme disease and mold testing and mycotoxin um, stuff came to see me and all kinds of issues that we're now working on. But that's what actually got me connected here. And the work Mm. I've been doing actually I've been recruited now to the Priority Health Academy. It's a functional medicine academy where uh, I work with other doctors and I help lecture some of these doctors and the holistic ways to reverse inflammatory bowel disease.
0: Wow. Wow. Beautiful. Now, for those of you who have no clue what he was just talking about, a lot of big words were throwing around there. Um, Now, let's first of all, go back to the bowel. What the hell is the bowel? Remember when you guys sort of uh, eat something, and then at some stage it comes out in between there. There is actually a lot of magic that happens, and you you go through the esophagus, which is the swallowing tube, stomach. Then there is the small intestine, the small bowel, uh, where a lot of the the absorption and and breaking down of the products is concerned. And then you have got to sort of whatever is sort of left um, is being put into the colon, the large bowel. And then from there is the feces the is formed in the large bowel. Um and that's it. Uh and it out it comes. That's at least the very simplistic way of thinking about it. And that was that was basically how I was taught at medical school uh in the 80s. You know, the, the large bowel, yeah, okay, that's where the feces is formed, and we suck a bit of water back out, and that's about it. And that was as much as you learn, so 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 far so good. So that's the anatomy that I quickly run over with you. Um, the the you mentioned a thing called IBS and IBD, um, inflammatory bowel disease. Uh, IBD these are some nasty nasty diseases, autoimmune diseases to to a degree that are causing severe inflammation in the large bowel in the colon and typically that's ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease. Um, so these are sort of the two the two big ones in in the inflammatory kind of medical things versus IBS is irritable bowel syndrome. And that is more a functional problem due to the beautiful things, healthy things that we eat. Yeah, not. Um, <laughs> and and the way we treat our body um, with stress, with uh, lack of sleep, with dehydration, with, the, well, sad, the standard American diet, alcohol, cigarettes, you name it. So these are the two things. So, just to clarify some of the words that we have used so far, and to give you a good idea.
1: And I appreciate that too, Stefan. I'm yeah. and to your audience as well. I'm used to. Uh, I, I work with a lot of doctors on a day to day basis. I got to take my medicine hat off. And oh, please, my, my please, same, hat.
0: same here, same here, <laughs> same here, brother. Uh, that is that is why we why I, I sort of break things down to to simpler concepts. Um, Having said that for sure. Oh, no, 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 man. No, 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 no. That's, that's where we (laughs) two are are, are co-creating. That's where we two can, can touch both, (laughs) uh, touch both (laughs) worlds, because there will be uh, people out there, there will will be some doctors, some paramedics, some nurses listening in who know something like me, I knew something. And then I started functional medicine. And I suddenly realized, oh, boy, you know, Mm -hmm. bugger all. Um, when it really comes to the links of this intricate web that is playing within us. Um, so let's talk about uh, this this colon a bit more in detail. So so far we said, well yeah, that's where the poo is formed so what um in reality <laughs> it is it's like a microcosm in there. and I give you a spooky a spooky statistic, a spooky fact. If you look at yourself in the mirror, probably only about ten to thirty per cent of the cells that you see which are you are coming from your mummy and daddy okay the rest are not mummy and daddy no they are bacteria they are beautiful bacteria that are living in you on you And it's a bit scary now because they are so small. If you actually put them into weight, um, they're only about, you know, two 1.5 to two two, two kilogram thereabouts. Um, So still by weight, the majority comes from mommy and daddy, but by number, oh boy. So here you have got this hidden, hidden magnitude of, 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 of cells living within you. And we have, such little understanding. We only in the last 10, 20 years, maybe we have started realizing a bit more what the gut microbiome is all about. So here you are coming back to to years story that you started working with people um, as a coach, and you suddenly saw that things were changing. Um, what did you do? Did you have a magic pill? Was it a blue pill or the red pill?
1: I had, I, I definitely unplugged myself very quickly from the matrix once I realized how interconnected everything is. And it, it's really interesting. And I had to say unplugs. So I always forget which pill color is supposed to be the right one. <laughs> and so I answered the question wrong. Um, but, you know, we talked about how, you know, 20, 30% of what you see in the mirror is maybe is, you know, maybe is you, the rest is bacteria. I'd love to give a quick little anecdotal uh, st- story here for you, Stefan, that I think it can really help the audience understand the importance of small things. And it's a very entertaining story. I quite like to tell, and I'm sure you are familiar, of course, with toxoplasmosis. Now, toxoplasmosis, if any of you out there have had babies or have been pregnant, may have heard your doctor hear you say, or your doctor may have told you, don't change the kitty litter, because you could get this parasite, this infection. Now, this toxoplasma gondii is the name of this, bacter- this, this uh, parasite. And it's so small, mm-hmm. it's one little parasite. But Everything in life we have to remember has a prime directive. It has a purpose. And the purpose of a toxoplasma parasite is to breed and pass on its genes, just like every human, every animal, every living organism on earth. Mm. And to understand how powerful these little things are, a toxoplasma bacteria will get into places it knows will get into the belly of a cat because its best life is lived in the belly of a cat. Doesn't matter if it's a house cat, if it's a lion, tigers, bears, oh my, any kind of cat, mountain lions, and the, that's where it wants to be. And so this toxoplasma parasite will infect the mouse, for example. And inside the mouse, it does a couple of really amazing things. Now remember, a mouse is an entire living organism. This is one parasite, what it can do. And I'm sure you've all seen The Last of Us and other shows like that. Now, this parasite gets into the brain of the mouse. It actually burns out the dendrites, so those nerves in the brain, to burn out the fear center. Now, if you didn't know, mice from birth are hardwired to be afraid of cats. Even if it's never seen a cat before, it's afraid of cats. It's naturally known to be a predator. Another thing is that mice are naturally repelled by the scent of cat urine. It will run the other direction, even if it's never smelled cat urine. But this toxoplasma bacteria burns out the fear center. So one, it's not afraid of cats anymore. Increasing the likelihood it will run into a cat and end up in the cat's belly. But number two, it goes a step further. It rewires the mouse's brain to actually make it sexually attracted to the scent of cat urine. (laughs) And so it increases its probability of ending up in the belly of a cat by decreasing fear and actually drawing it toward the cat. The cat eats it, the parasite gets into the cat, it lives its best life. And that's what one little parasite can do to an organism. In fact, there's been stories that the U.S. military has actually looked at using toxoplasma parasites in soldiers to make them less afraid of running into battle for the fear of death. Isn't that amazing? That's messed up. But there have also been stories, if you look at people, these heroic acts, jumping in front of a car to save a stranger, running into a burning building to save somebody's dog many of those people have been tested and infected with toxoplasma gondii parasites. And so bravery may not be so heroic. And so we look at these tiny little things inside the body, what they can really do, you got a hundred trillion bacteria inside your gut alone, right? Three to five pounds, like you said, two to 3% of your body weight. You have a microbiome everywhere. Your hair, your mouth, your sinuses, your eyebrows. Women will have one vaginally. We have one, uh, men will have them in their groin, their ureters, they're everywhere. In all these neighborhoods They talk to each other, but they are separate neighborhoods. Your skin has a different biome than your gut, has a different biome than your mouth, has a different biome than your sinuses, but they all communicate. And if one little parasite can do that much to an entire organism, to a human even, imagine what a 100 trillion little bacteria can do for you or do to you if they're out of balance and out of whack. And that's the importance of our bacteria.
0: Wow. Beautiful story and beautifully brought home. And these bacteria are weird. The the vast majority of them, they are just, having their own their own life um at least as far as we know nowadays the reality is because there are so many of them in there we don't go around in there and say hey you hello nice to meet you what's your name what are you doing here what do you really do <laughs> see no one does that work okay so therefore it is by accident that we stumble across um bacteria and suddenly realize that suddenly they, they do something interesting something good um but that 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 job will continue for a very, very long time. For us doctors or nutritionists or health practitioners who are interested in the gut, we are constantly learning more. And that's, that's uh, very intriguing. As I said, in the past, I would have had no clue. But nowadays, for example, we go one step back. In the past, we did heroic things to people who suffered from acid reflux, um, mm-hmm. stuff that comes up. And I learned all kinds of different surgical uh, ways of disconnecting the stomach from the nerve systems. We did heroic stuff in order to stop people bleeding to death from peptic ulcer disease, etc. And then someone figured out that one little bug Helicobacter, bacteria, uh, um, Helicobacter pylori um, is sitting in the stomach and is causing the vast majority of the reflux and of, of the, the, the ulcer disease that we know about. And then we've learned that we can kill that particular bug and surprise, surprise, all the chainsaw massacres that were done in the 50s, 60s, 70s to help people with uh, their, their ulcer disease is suddenly a thing of the past. So here you have got a a major, major breakthrough that has completely changed the way medicine looks at uh, ulcers within the the stomach. So here you are. We are doing that. Brilliant. One tick. Helicobacter done does that. Well, no. More recently, we have found out that actually people who have got severe acne, um, 80% of them have got Helicobacter. Um, so suddenly we learn something completely new where you think, what the, what the hell, where does that work? Uh, But there are these, all these neighborhoods, as you call them, Josh, are interlinked. They are all working together. These are systems. And so there you are, we, there is so much we can learn and so much that we, that we can show our appreciation for this, this beautiful universe that is living within us and on us. Um, wow, but how the hell where do you start? I mean you you can't just yeah exactly. you've got <laughs> you've got trillions of bacteria. Um, so you're saying, well, we should use them to to our benefit.
1: How the hell can we do that? And that's just going to be one of the burning questions over the next 50 to 100 years, probably. I mean, we haven't even known that bacteria existed for very long. I mean, you went to medical school. You remember the story of Dr. Ignaz Semmelweis, right, back in 1856 when he discovered the power of hand washing. Mm. Um, And for your listeners, the the short version is he was looking at pregnancy wards from doctors and one with um, midwives. And he found the death rate from the doctors was five times higher for women giving birth. They called it childbed fever and they couldn't figure it out. He discovered it was possibly something unseen, told everybody to wash their hands and all the death rates dropped. Uh, There's a lot more to that story, but that's the gist. So that was only 1856. So that's what, 170 years, give or take. We've known about bacteria. And Mm. so we are still, like you said, just learning the last 10, 20 years, we've learned about these microbiomes. And so where do we start? The reality is, we have some really amazing, actionable stuff we can do. You know, number one, it's, <laughs> and it's, it's very difficult because it's not all actionable. We have 100 trillion bacteria, roughly yeah. 20 million different bacteria. Yeah. But again, we talked about the importance. I mean, we've got 23,000 genes in the human genome. We have 3 million different genes in your gut bacteria alone. Yeah. That's 130 times more genetic material inside of your gut. The hell do we do that? We just figured out the human genome. We got 130 times more work to do. And so when we look at this, we say, okay, well, normally it's illegal or at least very frowned upon, to poop in a box and send it in the mail to somebody. But now it's a service you can actually pay for. (laughs) To say. And so we can get these things called GI maps. And so a map is basically an analysis of all your gut bacteria, at least what we can see. Now, again, we said we have 18 to 20 million different bacteria and strains and species and all kinds in your gut. Even the best GI maps, we take all the DNA analysis of your, of your gut bacteria, maybe can see about 100, give or take. Now, a lot of doctors will say, well, they're useless because it's, it's a grain of sand on a beach. But working in inflammatory bowel disease, right? Like you would say, Crohn's and colitis, some of the worst diseases next to colon cancer, really, that could possibly plague a human being. Mm. These are at the core of a lot of what I do. And it's very actionable stuff. Out of these 100 or so bacteria, we can even give probiotics for 50 of them, not that many culture, but we can at least, you know, patch things over and fill the void a bit. But we can actionably take steps on some of these bacteria. So what can you do? Well, number one, we have to realize, I think it's important to understand how our bacteria starts, where we get it from birth, the things over our life that cause detriment to it, and then the things that we can do to sort of patch it up. So mm. it's a bit of a, a get into, it might take me five or six minutes to explain with your permission, and I'd love to dive into that process. Bring it on. All right, let's do it. So first things first, we have to understand where bacteria come from. We used to think that the, um, you know, a baby in utero, for example, the placenta was sterile. But now we know it's teeming with microbes, just like everything else in the body, full of bacteria and full of parasites and fungi and all kinds of things. They, They interact with each other. The word parasites isn't bad. It just is used contextually, again, through like zombification and stuff on TV. But there are good parasites and bad parasites. Uh-huh. But we get these in utero. Now, again, let's go back even further. Where do those bacteria come from? They came from your mom. Where did they come from? From her mom. All the way back, as long as your ancestors survived being eaten by dinosaurs, you've got parasites that have been around, or bacteria and parasites and fungi that have been evolving and around uh-huh. since the beginning of time. And so they started creating you in utero. Again, more genetic material than your very DNA. So really, what's more important? And then we look at birth. Now, when a baby is born coming through the vaginal canal, they are covered and inoculated head to toe and all these microbes. The problem is, though, we talk about where we we start to go wrong. In 1990, just 7% of births were done via C-section. The World Health Organization Mm -hmm. suspects that by 2030, it'll be 29%. Today, Mm -hmm. it's like 21%, give or take. And so We're multiplying the number of C-sections, therefore losing all these microbes on the skin. Hmm. Let's go another step further than that. Right? We know that breastfeeding is extraordinarily important. That's a thing mm. that we need to have because when a baby mm. is first breastfed in the first three days, there's all that colostrum and microbes and all kinds of great stuff and nutrients, mm. tons that this baby can use to start to grow and lays down a thick turf of bacteria inside mm. its mouth, inside its gut. And even latching onto the breast, they've now mm. shown that that sucking of a full breast as opposed to a bottle, a small nipple on a bottle actually changes the morphology, the, the development of the sinuses and airways and the jaw structure of a baby getting better airflow as it mm. develops so all these things are important but if we look at breastfeeding right only 43 percent of newborns initiate breastfeeding within one hour of birth a lot of them can't there's medical issues with a given formula but only 41 percent of infants under six months actually exclusively breastfeed Well, comparing data looking mm. at infants who are given just uh formula versus just breast milk mm. solely formula fed babies are twice as likely to die from SIDS. And that's a staggering statistic looking at the bacteria and things we get from breast milk. And so that's number one. Number two, we have to look at our environment. These are the three sort of cores to birth, right? In utero, Mm -hmm. breastfeeding, and our environment. Uh, If you recall, Stephanie, you might be very aware of a study done back in 2004 by the Red Cross. It was actually published by the Environmental Working Group in another paper in 2005. And they talked about all these chemicals they found. They cut 10 freshly cut umbilical cords, more than 287 different chemicals were found inside these umbilical mm-hmm. cords pollutants, pesticide, consumer Such product it. ingredients. It's, it's devastating. I mean, burning coal, garbage, gasoline, um, oil repellents, and stains. Out of all these 287 chemicals, 180 are known to cause cancer in humans mm-hmm. and animals. Mm-hmm. 217 are toxic to the brain and nervous system and 208 cause birth defects or abnormal developments at least in animal tests and we can imagine in humans and so right away our bacteria these all-important bacteria that govern every aspect of our lives integrate with our genetics and our development and health and you know diseases we will or will not get we're already dealt the bad hand and so we have to look at this growing up and growing up now a lot of kids, most of the time now, especially yeah. after 2020, we hyper sanitize everything. We got hand sanitizer. We got sanitization on the playground. Los Angeles and California in 2020, mm-hmm. they actually had homeowners associations in these these communities going out and spraying disinfectant on the bloody grass, and so it's 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 i saw you smirk i think the word i would use is asinine to say that we have to kill all bacteria all microbes Mm -mm, because mm. they're part of your immune system except 70 up to 90 arguably of your immune system comes from your gut this Mm. is where your immune cells mature and develop and grow and then we talk about this intestine now right we'll take this now to development the more you're exposed right the more we get to grow and have immunity but I look at the, the microbes in this microbiome as sort of a like a beautiful meadow. And if you have a meadow with new seeds and fresh dirt starting to come in, it starts to grow, right? Mm-hmm. Then little bugs start to come in and smaller animals, voles and rabbits start mm-hmm. to come in and make homes and dig holes. And it becomes a bit of an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. But imagine now you pour salt on the earth or you, you set it on fire. It may never grow back properly again. Mm-hmm. But if that meadow has a chance to grow and thrive and flourish and trees start to plant, and bigger animals come in, you have deer mm. and wolves mm. and mm. streams start to grow. It, it's the Amazon rainforest. You mm. can light that bitch on fire and it's going to be just fine, mm. right? Mm. And so it's it's beautiful as it grows and our guts are very much the same, Nice, right? Nice. The heavier it grows, the more diversity we have, the more mm. resilient we are. But we hammer it. I mean, I know you're in New I'm Zealand, sure. but right? the average American consumes 100 pounds of sugar per year, mm. um, 15, 20 liters of alcohol. Fast food is $750-ish billion dollars a year. We're seeing antibiotic consumption go up all the time. It's up nearly 50% since the year 2000. Medication spend is trillions, and we're destroying our guts. And with that, we create leaky gut, which is a whole other conversation. But to give you an example now, just for your listeners to sort of summarize this, we're already dealt a bad hand. We devastate our guts by hypersanitizing, staying indoors, not going outside, not you know letting pets lick your face, not interacting with nature, not digging in the dirt. And then we consume medications and antibiotics and sugar and fast food. Well, there's no wonder 93% of the leading causes of death in the USA, according to the CDC, they're connected to the gut in some way. The, this is 14 out of 15. The 15th cause not connected to the gut is injury, suicide, and self-harm or homicide of some kind. If so that means every leading cause of death we're calling natural causes is actually a chronic inflammatory condition we connect back to the gut which we know all these steps of how we can correct it so theoretically you can prevent 93 percent of these diseases and these deaths by just looking at the gut
0: wow i 100 percent agree with every single word you said and it was a beautiful beautiful summary um but you could of course now play devil's advocate said okay um Please. my in the past i've had uh, i was born by c-section um i have lived uh such a life my god i'm 57 now i'm fucked there's no chance mm-hmm. that's it it will never get better again i might as well i might as well give up
1: <laughs> don't you think Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just jump off the bridge. No, I think think, uh, there's so much more that can be done. And that's such a great follow-up question because my last thing I want to do is people to go, well, fuck this guy. Like, it doesn't help me at all. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's not at all what we're looking to do. But we have to understand if you're dealt a bad hand, it doesn't mean you're screwed. The thing is, a lot of these diseases we're saying, well, it's genetic. Your mom had it. Your dad had it. Mm -hmm. Your whatever had it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're going to get it it just means you're Mm -hmm. more predisposed whether it's microbes or genetics or the Mm -hmm. interaction between the two but like we said earlier these are actionable things we can do just because your meadow right now got burned down when you were younger doesn't mean you can't plant seeds now it doesn't mean you can't introduce new wildlife now i mean look at yellowstone national park right they had a big overgrowth of all kinds of critters and creatures they introduced a bunch of wolves they were killers still, but it brought balance to the ecosystem and everything started to thrive and flourish. And as they introduced more wildlife, birds started to come back and we saw rivers teeming with new microbes and life and algae and so much more can be done. You can always regrow your meadow. Exactly. It just has to be calculated exactly. and this is where things like GI mapping come in handy things like looking at lifestyle come in handy. What foods are you consuming? How much exactly. are you traveling? Do you play in the dirt? Do you have pets? Let them lick your bloody face. It'll lick its butthole and then lick your face. And it's not that bad. It's gross, but it's not that bad.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I I 100% agree. Josh, I mean, the, the reality is uh, for for uh, those people out there who who sort of think, oh my god, this is all a bit, bit weird. Uh, the reality is our ancestors knew damn well how to survive. And mm. We have forgotten many of those skills and many of those values that kept generations before us alive and well. If you go back to the early 1900s, um, someone found um, some gold in Klondike. And so about 30,000 people said, yeah, come on, let's go there. Let's go there. Let's be rich. And the Canadians said, you've got to be joking. You've got 30,000 Alaskans coming here um, and wanting to go up there. So what did they say? No, you have to bring 500 tons, um, uh, sorry, 500 kilogram, um, uh, a ton of food. You have to bring uh, yourself per person in order to go um, gold digging. And these people arrived there, and it was winter, and it was all chaotic, and they very quickly realized two things that they absolutely needed for survival. Now, most people don't know that, but one of them was a sourdough starter, the other then was sauerkraut, fermented food. Mm. What do these two things have in common? Gut bacteria! (laughs) Exactly. So now this was the pure survival of what what people figured out that is what we need to actually make it work make it actually make our bread, those kind of things. We have forgotten those skills. Uh, in the 50s 60s 70s it was socially engineered out of us um, to make your own bread that is oh that is only poor people do that these were the kind of Mm. shitty messages that uh, that we you got oh no you if you be a modern woman you have your microwave and some kind of I wouldn't even call it food.
1: Some kind of... Radiation machine is what that is. (laughs)
0: Exactly. You got all that shit. So we have had all that hammered in us and we have forgotten how to live. Would you not agree with with that statement?
1: Oh, my goodness. Could, Could we ever? I mean... It, let's extend that even further just to like life itself, not just like our day-to-day in society, but culturally even, like you said, where, you know, a modern woman, use your microwave, use this, use that, buy the food, buy the bread. There's 20 ingredients in bread. It should be water, flour, yeast, and salt. <laughs> and that was 20 ingredients. We wonder why we're all sick, why our parents all had diverticulitis growing up. They grew up with Wonder Bread, no doubt. And so if we look at what grows, right? we talk, I'll, I'll go one step further about the microbiomes. This is one of my favorite things. We look at the microbiome in the gut, right? We have a microbiome in our skin, our psyche, everywhere, like we talked about. You oh. also have something called the hollow biome. Now, it's how all your microbes kind of interact, oh. but they suspect this hollow biome actually extends. Wild guess, Stefan, how far do you think that microbiome can extend given the last three years? Oh, oh, oh given feet- the Oh, right the last oh i see right. what you mean Ha-ha. right At six foot distance well guess what within six feet you can actually share microbes with other strangers First and again. so right and of course then we talk about diversity and immunity the worst things we can do for our immune system sanitize everything stay inside don't interact with people the best things we can do play in the dirt get into nature, see friends, hug people. That's how your immune system grows. Like literally experiencing life is good for your body. This is like the beauty about, about design. Like like we were put on this earth. God has this incredible, like this design is immaculate. And I know everybody will agree with God or the universe. That's not the point. This is my view. Go, you're listening to me. <laughs> so, but we look at this and go, One, we're designed to experience life. We're designed to hug people, to fall in love, to have pets, to travel, to interact with animals, to get into nature, to do gardening, to touch the earth. And that is how we become our healthiest selves. Everything we do in nature today Everything we do in modern society, sitting inside, mm. electronics, not touching the earth, mm. not grounding, not getting into the sun. That's photobiomodulation, we call it. It actually penetrates into the skin, stimulates mitochondria and oxygenation. It's its 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 detoxifying. It's amazing what nature does for us, but we mm. are so far removed. That's we so true. now have modern diseases from modern life. But if you go mm. back now, to indigenous cultures who live in Indonesia or Africa or, mm-hmm. or the Amazon. They have, I mean, yeah, they deal with you know bug bites and stuff they don't have anti for, but they don't have diabetes, they don't have obesity, they mm-hmm. don't have mm-hmm. Alzheimer's. We normalize sickness mm-hmm. through age. Okay. After 40, mm-hmm. 50, medications are normal. 60 plus percent of the US over 50 has two or more medications, like prescription regular. And so the difference is in indigenous tribes, they have elders. In first world countries, we have elderly. And that's a big distinction to make. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, shit. That,
0: I steal that from you, man. Sorry, I need that. <laughs> that is
1: good. I, sh- I, should, I should make T-shirts or write a book. I don't know. Isn't it? <laughs> exactly.
0: How about both, man? I mean, mm-hmm. no, no, let's work on that. Bloody hell. And you're quite right. There is so much more to be said about that. Um, what I do like, however, is that uh, that you point out to the reversibility of that. So only because your gut is at the moment uh, uh, at a state of civil war um, mm-hmm. and it, literally it, it, it's burning in there and, and it is chaos and everything is leaky. Um, and maybe we should talk about that, because that's really one of those kind of things. There is this leaky gut. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that you have gut runs? Or what is leaky gut?
1: I mean, sometimes things will leak out. But it's interesting that leaky gut, it's actually innately, it's not a bad thing. Leaky gut is a defense mechanism. And so if we look at what leaky gut's designed to do, really, if you eat, great example why nobody should ever eat gluten this is actually work from dr alessio fasano talked about by tom o'brien and many others um they talk about gluten gluten so you'll know this one actually um between so th- th- there's these little things in the body called tlr receptors or toll like receptors and so between the stomach and the small intestine there's something called tlr4 that's your toll like receptor number four i believe there's nine of them or 11 of them you can mm. correct me on that um but basically what they do is they stand guard, right? It's kind of like uh, the Queen's guard, the Brits with the hats, right? And the, the they got their, their guns or their batons or whatever they use their swords. And so they will stand guard and they can basically open things or close things. They can say you can come in or you should not come in. And so if your body eats, you eat gluten, your TLR4 receptors actually identify those proteins as pathogenic bacteria, which mm. are problematic bacteria. And so what it does is it goes, well, you should not be here. So it opens up the floodgates. It creates leaks in the gut to draw water in, kind of like hosing down a driveway so it can flush things out. Leaky gut is a defense mechanism. The problem is sustained leaky gut, instead of going one direction, it becomes mm. bi-directional. Mm. So not only does water leak in to clean things out, but things also leak out. And so for those of you listening who don't know where things leak out, it's actually like things are supposed to move through your intestines. So in your small intestine, directly connected to your intestines is what we call your galt or your gut associated lymphoid tissue, that's lymphatic tissue in the gut. And we also have your blood. Now food and nutrients travel around your blood, they actually pass through your intestines, but they have to go through the proper chambers. The problem is now When you have leaks, the borders are open. Invaders Mm. can come in. There's nobody guarding those doors. The queen's guard are away. Mm. And so now we have these things leaking out between the border crossings, between the cells, rather than through them as they should. And so now instead of micro molecules going through, you know, bits of nutrients that should travel around the bloodstream, they're macromolecules. They're too big. Their body doesn't know what to do with them. And so what it does is then sends these immune responses, sends these white blood cells down there and says, hey, intruder alert puts a flag in the dirt and says that chicken is a problem. We don't know, it's too big. So next time chicken comes in, guess what? It creates leaky gut. You now have diarrhea or inflammation or pain or cramping, that cottage cheese, that spinach, that whatever it is now, we develop food intolerances. And then with those food intolerances, it's a very predictable breakdown. We can look and say, okay, well now you probably develop allergies, asthma, skin issues, joint pain, acne, eczema, whatever it is. And then as this inflammation starts, now you're, you're actually absorbing less nutrients. And that's a problem because everything in your body requires nutrients. They are the fuel of your body. But when we're under stress, I don't just mean like you fought with your spouse, you're stuck in traffic or your boss is a dick, but I mean like all stressors, right, are stress. Technically sleeping is a form of stress. It's like the lowest form of it, but it's still a stressor. It's something that requires nutrients or resources from the body, Mm -hmm. right? Exercise is stress. Digesting is stress. All these things are stressors. When you're sick or inflamed, you have leaky gut, your immune system's working on overtime. Mm -hmm. You need overtime pay for your resources, for your little soldiers. They need more resources, more nutrients, but your gut's inflamed. right you can't walk around on a a sprained ankle you're too slow it's kind of bummy it hurts Mm -hmm. you can't do things properly you can't run jump and play neither can your gut when it's inflamed it can't absorb these nutrients so now you're actually at a deficit because you're burning Mm -hmm. through more nutrients and now you're in debt because you can't absorb nutrients to pay the the, to Mm -hmm. pay the cells Mm -hmm. and so what do you do well your body now has to go into debt and borrow where does it borrow from different bank accounts, like Mm. your teeth, like your hair, your skin, your nails. Mm. So your hair gets dry, your nails get brittle, your teeth Mm. become sensitive, right? Because you're actually drawing minerals out. Mm. And so all these things start to break down. Well, now you got inflammation. What loves inflammation? Bad bacteria or opportunistic or pathogenic bacteria, we call them. They take the opportunity to overgrow and kind of infiltrate when the borders are open. Well, they love inflammation. I mean, you couldn't live in a house that's constantly on fire but these Hmm. little bastards can. Hmm. And so they come in, they wreak havoc, they create problems. And now you have this dysbiosis or imbalancing gut bacteria. Now these bacteria will then create what we call endotoxins. These Mm -hmm. toxins leak through those leaks into your lymphatic system and your bloodstream, which is a super highway of the body. They cause inflammation all over. Mm -hmm. Now you have asthma, it's leaky lung. You might Mm -hmm. have anxiety, depression, leaky brain. You might have joint pain because those toxins settled into your joint, all kinds of issues. And now the body starts breaking down. Mm -hmm. And then you now have a disease. You have hardening in the arteries or plaque. Well, it's atherosclerosis. Well, it's actually inflammation in your vessels. Well, now you have arthritis. Well, it's actually inflammation of the joints coming from your gut. And now you have a drug. That drug masks symptoms. And now you don't know those symptoms are there. Well, you can't find them. You can't fix it. And so you break down even further. And now you have 19 (laughs) different medications, diagnosis, and disease. And it all came back from a little leak in the gut that went out of control and went unregulated.
0: Beautifully said. Beautifully played through um as the the consequences are mounting up and you're quite right it is we see that again and again and i again want to stress that that uh the incidence or the, the 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 connection that you have earlier mentioned 90 percent of the diseases we believe have got very strong influence um from nutrition, or let's rephrase that. Um, if we don't pay attention to our gut, then we actually create these diseases. So you guys out there, you actually, you shouldn't say, Oh, God, why me? Why do I have cancer? Well, we can actually tell you why you have cancer. Uh, because mm-hmm. you you were not made aware. And your your parents were not aware, of all those new developments that we are just sort of laying out here in front of you. But the past does not equal the future Um, only because in the past you, you did not pay attention. Now you have got this opportunity. Now you have got people like Josh who, who and then me who are going into functional medicine, who are going uh, actually, Hey, look, let's, let's have a look at your gut and let's figure out what's going on. And therefore it is, it is whilst it all might sound a bit scary, what we are saying here about this kind of quite severe impact on health. This is kind of a wake up call here from us to you guys out there. This is a wake up call for you to look at the the privilege of choice. Every second in your life, you can choose right now to eat highly processed, sugar rich, um shit that uh unfortunately is not good for your shit um but actually <laughs> um no so we need we need to distinguish any different words here uh, so <laughs> i think the, the reality is we are harming ourselves uh we are committing suicide in instalments um and oh, that good. yeah unfortunately that is the reality in the past i used that to describe the the, the use of alcohol, but actually now when I'm thinking about nutrition, um, it is so much more of importance. I mean chemical addiction affects about one in three. Um, whilst uh, the issue of bad nutrition and and dysbiosis and problems with the gut affects probably everyone with, um, I would say, I would say everyone in the Western world. I think mm-hmm. that is um, that is that is an issue. So, okay. If I say the past does not equal the future, I really mean that. About five years, six years ago, um, I by that time I had stopped uh, drinking alcohol. I had already started changing my life a bit, but it was still chaotic and and all a bit crazy. And so I went to a nutritionist that I know here, Ben Warren in New Zealand. Um, he I had sent him. Heaps of patients of mine, and yeah, he, he did a good job. And then I finally put my money where my mouth is and said, come on, Ben, take me apart. Um, and it turned out, just as Josh just said, um, good old Stefan was allergic to a German breakfast. Um, gluten, dairy, eggs, cheese, They're all the beautiful things that I would have loved on my breakfast table, I was allergic to. And not in the sense of that I die as soon as I have it, but it was quite ongoing inflammation that it caused in my body. And so uh, many, many nutraceuticals later, and a complete change in my diet. Fast forward two months, three months, I suddenly realized, "Huh? okay, I'm no longer as fatigued. Um, the little shoulder injury that I had there, well, can't feel it anymore. Um, my severe crippling achillotendinitis that stopped me walking more than 2,000 steps was gone, despite of 18 months of, of, of crippling me. Um, smelly feet, gone. Um, so many things had changed. And I had to say, wow. Um, and that was the, the beautiful thing. Um, When we actually when you put yourself uh, as a guinea pig forward, and you you begin to see all the changes, it's like magic. It is just unbelievable. So therefore, it is doable. Um, And as interesting, when I look with hindsight, now, um, there was maybe the probiotic that I took then. um, But ultimately, um, we didn't pay as much attention to the analysis of the gut um nowadays i would look at that very far more in 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 depth uh, than then but it was then just well change the nutrition change your lifestyle etc and just by doing that we were making huge headways so actually by just showing up 80% of showing off success is showing up and i did by changing my lifestyle and my nutrition so just that as a vignette, guys, you can do a hell of a lot by just changing what you're eating. But that's still a bit of a of a blunderbuss kind of of approach. You just sort of think, okay, i I tried not to eat that. And I try not to eat that, but we can be a bit more specific. Tell us a bit about gut microbiome testing and food allergy testing um what are sort of the these are these are tools that we can use nowadays out there uh
1: tell us a bit about that mm. so these different types of testing everything i think is contextual because you can go out and spend tens of thousands of dollars on different medical tests blood tests mm. and virus tests and food mm. tests and Really, the only test that I like to use for food would be like what's called an MRT or an OATS test. That's a mediator release test or an organic acids test. So you can mm-hmm. kind of trace the inflammation. But even something like we see quite often, like an IgG test, mm-hmm. for example. Um, IgGs, there's something created by your immune system in response to a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of a slow crawl. So they sort of just develop over the course of one to three days. The problem is if someone eats dairy today, and now they're bloated three days from now. Don't forget they even ate that piece of cheese. They don't know why they're bloated. It's kind of this slower. It's very insidious, really. But the thing about these IgGs is they'll come in over a couple of days and they're gone within about two to three weeks. They kind of weed out of the system, and so we even go to do blood tests to see. Well, you have a lot of IgG responses to these foods. That's kind of fleeting. It's not really an allergy. It's a temporary sensitivity. That in really true allergies, they're not transient. They don't really come and go, right? Whereas these sensitivities, due to the size of the leaks increases the size of the food getting where it shouldn't be increases the size of this igg response therefore as you heal up your gut those igg responses will come down eventually you can go back to eating those foods but Mm -hmm. you're leaky right now and so they're getting through to the spots they shouldn't be and your security team is on high alert Mm -hmm. and so igg tests they're they're okay i wouldn't continue to get them throughout your life i would say okay so right now you come to see me stefan you got inflammation in your gut you got IBS or my specialty Mm. being Crohn's and colitis. One of those sensitivity tests can help us for the next three months, eight months, you know, tops, I'd say, on just avoiding some things that may contribute to your inflammation because later, again, you'll be able to Mm. eat those. So I do want to look at a GI map. It's very important for me. If I can see you have a lot of bacterial overgrowth Um, whether it's SIBO, which is small intestine bacterial overgrowth or an overgrowth of bacteria in that one part of the the body in that small bowel. Mm -hmm. We can also see all kinds. I mean, 90% of your gut bacteria are typically in a healthy body inside the large intestine, right actually where it connects to that small intestine, right up up in there. And so we can see a lot of these, you know, someone comes to me with a ton of overgrowth and they're having issues with this overgrowth. I don't want to give them a very high fiber diet Mm -hmm. because when you eat, you poop. When your bacteria eats and they eat what you eat, they also poop. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, do those bacteria poop good things like what we call short chain fatty acids, anti-inflammatory yeah. things? They you know, poop out vitamins like certain B vitamins, vitamin K, or are they pooping these endotoxins or inflammatory byproducts? And so if someone has an overgrowth, I don't give them a high fiber diet. I actually often will go to carnivore if it's severe enough. Like you're uh-huh. getting meat and water, like fatty meat and water <laughs> and some basic vitamin supplements and whatever, yeah. but that's it because I want to starve out those bacteria. But if someone comes in typically with a very low diversity, their meadow has not been planted and grown properly. I may give them more things like probiotic based foods like kimchi or sauerkraut or fermented vegetables of some kind, yogurts and kefir. If you know, I prefer raw personally, but uh, it's hard to get. And so we want to plant more microbes, but again, In your gut, there's only so much space, right? Mm -hmm. Everything competes for space. And so if I give you someone with overgrowth, probiotic-based foods or probiotic pills, even though some may or may not even be alive bacteria, it still has to come through. You might be putting gasoline on a fire without realizing it because they have to compete for space. And this is where it gets nuanced. And this is why I recommend don't mess with your bacteria until you see a professional. Mm -hmm. If someone comes in with overgrowth, I might give them bacteria to add in there because bacteria compete for space Are they competing and making a problem or are they competing and kicking out the invaders, Mm -hmm. right? Now, we can see that, for example, in conditions like SIBO. Um, Dr. William Davis is well known for like his SIBO yogurt he uses, Mm -hmm. which is two strains, lactobacillus, Reuteri, different strains of that, or even like a rhamnosus or other ones. But Reuteri in particular has been shown to be beneficial in studies, for things like SIBO or as a bacterial killer it's kind of like a good cop that goes in and you know takes out all the bad guys and controls the gang overgrowth and so bacteria can work with each other for each other against each other They can communicate it's all beneficial and this is the importance of understanding the nuances behind bacteria yeah. it's about harmony right because believe it believe it or not whether we like it or not really the crack dealer at the gas station plays a role in the economy in some way even a small one, he still has a role to play. Right? And so if we look at your microbes in the body, even things like candida, um, clostridium bacteria, which can be also very good, E. coli, they're all kind of in there in different ratios. They're good. When there's only a little bit, it's when they overgrow. I mean, imagine going to the grocery store and all they sold was crack, the whole economy would just fall apart, right? Exactly. And so everything is about harmony. And the problem is we have people who often try to mess with their own bacteria. Um, I've seen a lot of people either successfully or unsuccessfully do their own fecal transplants, which is exactly what it sounds. You take poop from one person, insert it to the colon of another person. Um, And it's interesting because there have been some mortalities, some deaths from doing that. On the other hand, there was a story about a fella in Toronto who had severe ulcerative colitis. And fmt was just kind of coming out it was just brand new you can actually learn about this documentary called designer shit it's quite cool and he did this own fecal transplant using his mom's stool she was very healthy while she was in menopause he started experiencing menopausal symptoms (laughs) <laughs> and this is where it gets wild i'll take this one step up you might have heard stefan interesting stories about people getting organ transplants and like developing new character traits from their donor yeah. or someone you know died in a motorcycle accident because they're very evil knievel love the adrenaline love to smoke and drink they get this organ transplant from this donor who was very you know high risk starts developing high risk tendencies starts to drink and smoke and other things and so we talk about personality it's the microbes, I believe, not the genes and the genetics and the DNA. It's the microbes, like that toxoplasma parasite, influencing the personalities and the character traits, the likes, the dislikes of these people coming in, introducing. Like, look at Canada, one of the most diverse cultures or the United States in the world. Immigrants from all over the place. You don't have chops telling Chinese food and Japanese food and Indian food. You now have that in the human body when you get organ transplants or fecal transplants sharing bacteria. You now have new interests popping up new personality traits popping up and all these things because of the culture brought in from those bacteria it's fascinating
0: wow wow Okay now, wow, wow, so much food for food there. <laughs> so much so yeah. Now no, I mean, no, <laughs> no, the reality though is um, not reality is another example of uh, the power of some of these bacteria. Uh, when we went back to Klondike and and the, uh, I was talking about the sourdough, um, if you start creating your own sourdough starter, it's actually not very difficult to do. It's water um, water um, flour. And that's it. Uh, rye flour, typically, and a bit of, of normal flour. Um, do it, put it together, and then feed it. Um, feed it a little bit uh, every every day, a bit of water to it. Um, the bacteria in the air will go into there, and you can cheat. You can actually do a bit of lactobacillus in there, or get yourself get yourself a, a bit of starter from someone. Now, the reality, each and every sourdough starter around the world will be unique because it's actually unique bacteria that are from the environment going in there. Um, having said that, uh, all these sourdough starters, uh, they will have one primary uh, bacteria sitting in there, and it's Lactobacillus. And Lactobacillus, you could imagine, I mean, hang on, there is something something living there. There must be all kinds of things. Why don't we get cholera? Why don't we get whatever in there? Um, because the Lactobacillus is like a policeman. Um, he is going around and he's saying you there, you out here this is not your party bugger off um so there are bacteria we have which have very powerful positive influences there and that's I guess where the probiotics come in because that's where essentially we can actually uh, you don't okay let's go all the way around you don't have to have a fecal transplant you can actually do a lot of good things without going that to that extreme <laughs> <Yes>. okay <laughs> so how do we actually introduce healthy bacteria into our gut?
1: Well, number one, it's like it's, it, we talked about, it's getting into nature, it's living life, it's mm. meeting with people, because in the air, we breathe the things we touch, you bite your nails, you're touching things. Yeah. That's all bacteria that introduces. I mean, your mouth, the tissue in your mouth is the same tissue as your gut. It's actually a continuation, your digestive system starts in the mouth. In fact, you can tell. I have just talking to a girl at the gym the other day. She had some gut issues. And I did a quick 10-minute just chat with her figuring out a history. When she was 12, she broke her jaw. She cracked some teeth. And she had some infection. They did some root canals. I said, I will bet you, if you go into your dentist, Ask them what's called a CBCT scan. That's a cone beam scan, like kind of like a 360 x-ray. They will be able to find some dark pockets in those teeth. You probably have some lingering infection getting into your body, causing these, dis- or these issues you have and causing gut infections, sinus infections, all this bit. It happened to me. I had a root canal that wasn't done properly that we missed, I mean, it wasn't his fault. My tooth cracked. It got infected. Anesthetic wouldn't take. It felt like medieval torture. They had to drill it anyway. And so we missed one canal over 15 years. I just had surgery earlier this year because an infection ate through the bone into my sinus, mm. crawled all the way up into my forehead. And I had a big staph infection in my face for almost a year. Wow. They couldn't, uh, they couldn't, they had to go in surgically surgically to, to mm. remove that. And so these bacteria can come from a lot of places. So, mm. if we want to introduce good, we have to know one where the good or the bad come from. If the bad are coming from teeth, from root canals, especially root canals in the U.S., it's very mm. lax. Um, if you're consuming negative foods, maybe you have mold in your house. Like all these things can contribute to bad bacteria or bacterial mm. overgrowth. Mm. So no, then we want to look at where good bacteria comes from. Again, pets. Like I don't know if I don't know if you can see my dog Bruce down here. <laughs> I know. This, this this is this is Bruce. Oh, hello, Bruce. Yeah, this is our household butthole (laughs) liquor. And so he will go play with dogs. He will lick dirt. He will, you know, lick my face. And that's where bacteria come from. He's very upset. It's just like I just woke him from a nap. Um, And then looking at like foods and looking at our friends and looking at ferments and looking at probiotics, for example, all these things can be benefits to add, but something to keep in mind a very small percentage of probiotics actually will get into the body and culture and grow. Most of them come in dead or die in stomach acid. And then we look at what's called spore biotics or spore probiotics, which are like mm. seeds. Mm. They're designed to survive the stomach and get through the intestines and actually get in and grow and then you know create mm. uh, what they create. And so there's lots of places to get bacteria, but it really comes back to number one, stopping the drinking, the smoking, the fast food, the sugar, the artificial mm. flavors. All these modern diseases we have now today never existed there's no evidence of them existing years and years ago before the introduction of seed oils inflammatory foods fake mm-hmm. sugar sugar alcohols like sorbitol xylitol erythritol you know food dyes and chemicals i mean even the meat in can in, in the united states a lot of their foods banned in 30 different countries like even china won't import u.s uh, u.s pork because of the chemicals they use the feed they use Something called ractopamine, well known to cause bone brittleness and cancers and genetic mutations. They use 17,000 different types of pesticides in the States. I hear stories all the time of people moving from Europe or other countries to the US, developing gut issues, moving back home, and they go away. Mm -hmm. And we talk about your gut bacteria, the importance, just kind of going on a tangent now. But there are studies that suggest up to 72% of Americans deal with gut issues at least once a week, constipation, mm. cramping, mm. pain, diarrhea, bloating of some kind. Well, is it any coincidence, minus the food, that 70% of Americans are considered overweight, 40% mm. are considered obese? Absolutely. We have a direct one-to-one relationship. Mm. And so we have to look at what's damaging our bacteria. It's mm. all those different things. And then where does a good bacteria come from? Like we talked mm. about pets, mm. life food, good foods, animal byproducts, getting in mm. nature, traveling. Mm. That's where we introduce bacteria. Mm. And so if you don't have enough good, a lot of those invaders there's no police. So those mm. invaders come in and it's bloody gangland and then we start developing diseases. Mm. And that's really what it's about. And so if you have major gut issues that you can't get under control with food, with other things, I do recommend get a GI map. Uh, You can ask a local practitioner. I do work globally. Like I have access to labs in the UK and New Zealand, Australia, US, Canada, like whatever you need. Uh, Many local functional practitioners can Mm. do that for you too. And not just doctors, I'm just Mm. a nutritionist. And so everybody has access. Many can get these and you can test your bacteria, Mm. see what's out of balance and know, okay, well, I'm really low on basics, like lactobacillus or a big one I see, which is very important for estrogen balance and fatty acid production, gut lining, immune system, um, even the carbohydrate metabolism is a little bacteria getting popularity lately called acromantia. That one is low. So often, mm-hmm. I'd say 85% of my ulcerative colitis clients I see that particular bacteria is low hmm. as well as lots of bifido and lactobacillus and other issues which allow negative bacteria like clostridium or klebsiella, um, citrobacters, morganella, provotella, uh, candidas um, like you talked about h pylori all these ones to overgrow because there's no harmony there's no police. Absolutely. So test, ingest, retest. That's kind of the Love it! that I just Love made it. up now. So that works so well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well done. See, I bring the best out of my guests.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you do. I, I feel like I'm on the ball today, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I think that is so beautiful. And I think it is, um, the, the testing, there's a lot to be said about that, because um, we often have got parasites living in us. We have got, uh, at times, um, worms and other things that that are certainly not healthy for us. Regrettably, these kind of things do happen. Are they not just good things living in us? So, therefore, to do a test is actually a really, really good idea. Um, Mm -hmm. And the tests that we have, uh, we have mentioned the organic acid test, uh, and and similar tests, they all have their value. Now, you need to know a little bit what you're doing there. So you can't just go out and say, Hey, I want that, 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 that that." Uh, doesn't necessarily help you very much. So you need the guidance from someone like Josh, uh, to, to actually get an idea where to start. But if we were to say, you you were earlier mentioning a variety of foods. I mean, I, I said the sauerkraut being German, braut German. <laughs> uh, no, but every single society around the world has used fermented foods for a damn good reason. So there's the kimchi in Asia. There's the sauerkraut. There is the kefir. Kefir is, is either water kefir or milk kefir. It's, again, it's a fermentation process there. That's actually very easy to do. Um at home so you know there's so many things that you can very easily do by just paying a bit of attention learning a new skill sauerkraut is dead easy kimchi dead easy to make uh and it's fun and you can do something like that for your family um what is it this uh, this video will go live at the end of january so by that time when you when you hear that go to my website i will have put some uh some videos on how to make your own uh kimchi and your own sauerkraut on there, on fermented foods there is some information on water kefir there and then the video how to make it it's so easy And Mm -hmm. go out there, if you have got your own little plot of land, or even just some big containers on your balcony, you can actually put some earth in there, you can actually grow things, and you can go there and have some sugar peas, and you just go to those sugar peas, take them directly off the stalk, eat them, no washing, no disinfection, Mm -hmm. no nothing, just actually enjoy life. You know. That is where the magic starts because that's where you start introducing things. Yeah, that's beautiful. And isn't it? No, we can do so much. Now, one more thing. I I so one more thing. I know we are running out of time, but um one of my passions is um is the nutrition, of course, but also to understand the different the different health fats or health. Mm, how shall I call that food plans? Let's call them food plans. There are some food plans, which are probably really, really good for you. And one of them is the Mediterranean food plan, um, which is very high uh, on fiber, uh, low on red meat. uh, And there's a lot of good stuff, you're eating the rainbow, literally. um, And all those things automatically Uh, supply you with a beautiful broad spectrum of of bacteria um, that are so healthy for you. Um, And why do we need all that fiber? Because really your bacteria, they want to eat and they don't want to eat necessarily what you like. They like the fiber. They like the stuff that that, uh, our body can't really sort of digest so easily, but your bacteria, they love that. So therefore, as a rule of thumb, come on if you whatever you do, try to get some leafy greens into that. Try to get something uh, put some color in there. Um, put some mushrooms in there, some red onions in there, some green green onions. Uh, put things in there. be creative, learn how to to use your nutrition uh, as your superpower because that's really what it is. That is, Mm -hmm. food is designed to make you grow and be the best version of yourself. And unfortunately, 80, 90% of the stuff that you find in the supermarket does not fall into that category, okay? So please stay on the outside of the supermarket. That's typically where you find the fruit, the veggies, the, the meat, those kind of things that you really need. And rule of thumb, if you look at the ingredients, if there are more than five ingredients in there, don't buy it. Okay, so end of the story. Some people say free ingredients, but that's a bit harsh.
1: Uh, I like to say if your great-great-grandmother wouldn't recognize it, you probably shouldn't eat it. Touché,
0: touché. A beautiful set well wow. i uh, josh we could talk for hours um, oh, i <laughs> love it <laughs> <laughs> we are both so passionate about our subject here and hopefully we we were able to plant seeds here <laughs> and and to to share some of our passion for good food for yummy food but more importantly food that is really nutrition and not just empty highly processed calories that really reduce our lifespan and certainly reduce our health span so therefore, let's actually let's let's make those changes. And we can do them at least three times a day, or even five times a day because we all of us don't have a little bit more than free meals, isn't that? So no guys, go out there and and make those changes. But why start from scratch? Why being sort of like a chimpanzee in front of a of a keyboard and try? Ooh, 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 ooh? No, how about? <laughs> Actually, you ask someone who has been there, done that, uh, has got a training, more importantly, has got a passion to help you. Someone like Josh,
1: for example.
0: <laughs> Josh, if people uh, like to know more about you, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, the best place to reach me is through the website. That's ReversiblePod.com. My my podcast is called Reverse Able, the ultimate gut health podcast. And again, you can find the information at ReverseAble.com pod.com. If you need to reach out to me, there's a contact form there, of course. And that's the best way to get any extra information about one the gut and how it works and what to do about it. And two, of course, um, I do have free resources on my website, working with a one on one practitioner. I mean, a lot of places can be very severe. Sometimes it can be very cost prohibitive. And so, our goal here is just to spread as much information as we can. So, if you go Mm. to reverseablepod.com forward slash free or click the tab that says free stuff, um, there are free gut health programs there for acid reflux, IBS C, which is constipation, IBS D, which is irritable bowel diarrhea. We made them for some just basics for inflammatory bowel disease, fatty liver, just whatever you guys need. Um, The programs there are for free. And it's just data I actually took. I, I sat down over a couple of days on my weekend and took an average of my 100 most successful recent clients thought what are the things that they needed and what did i use to get them to overcome these ailments and i put those into some free programs on the website
0: superb guys look down there into the description of the youtube video and of the podcast because because josh's details are down there the links are down there what have you got to lose Come on, go out there um, or go down there. Uh, get his details. Whilst you're down there, press the like and subscribe button. Uh, maybe go to to the the comment section and say something. Um, give us some feedback. Um, maybe a, a success story where you say, "Yes, that's what I've done," or something. Hey, that was really helpful. You know, let us know uh, about your feelings and about your 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 breakthroughs your own your own transformations josh you're an amazing man uh thank you so much for being a guest on my show uh you gave us a tremendous amount of of beautiful beautiful insights i'm ever so grateful to you man
1: it's been an absolute pleasure Stefan. thank you so much for having me on Good. you really do bring out the best in your guests and you your podcast voice i mean you're second only to morgan freeman i can promise you that
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well. I'll take it. <laughs> hey, Josh, you're a great man. And you guys out there, live with passion and look after yourself. Bye. <laughs>
1: I never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Turn around.